Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. That you would, by the power of your word, take our hearts, take our minds, and take our wills and conform them to thyself. That we would be conformed to the image of thy son, Jesus the Christ. That we would walk in truth. We would talk in truth. And we would believe thy truth. Father, and this would be a genuine reality in each one of our lives, that we would walk in the freedom that only comes from Jesus himself. For your word declares, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So Father, I ask that you would just liberate us today. May we no longer be slaves to this world. May we no longer be slaves to sin. No, we, may, may we no longer be slaves to ourselves in, in some ways. But Lord, I ask that you would free us indeed. Free us to worship. Free us to praise. Free us to honor you. Free us to love you. Free us to adore you. Free us to draw near to you. Free us to praise you. Free us to abide in you. Free us to obey you. Free us to, to honor you with all of our being right now, dear God. For we believe it to be true. That the bondage and yoke of slave, uh, uh, the sin of uh, the slavery of sin, no longer has rule and reign on your peoples. For you have redeemed us by the precious blood of the Lamb. So, Father, right now, take charge as you wage war against Satan and his minions. Right now, by the proclamation and declaration of Thy word, Father, may the enemy run right now in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold, every yoke. Father, we, we, we cast down, tear down at, at, at the name of Jesus, Lord. For there's power in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's, there's precious uh, uh, security in thy name, oh God. And Father, we will be, we're going to wrestle with you this morning, dear God. And we won't let you go until you bless us. We're not going to let you go, oh God. Because we believe you have more for us right now through that word, oh God. And we ain't going to let you go. Father, you may touch our hip. You may touch our knees. You may touch our back. You may touch our neck. But Father, we ain't going to let you go. Because you're all that we have. The disciples said themselves, when everyone was leaving you, oh God, and you, and you turned to your people and you said, where you go to? They just said, Lord, where else will we go? We have no one else, oh God. So we're crying out to you. We're wrestling with you. Lord, give us a blessing right now. Revive us right now. Refresh us right now. We need you right now, oh God. And because you've already given us your best, we don't have to take no for an answer. Because you've already given us your yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You've already fulfilled all your promises in Jesus. You've already done it for us in Jesus' name. You've already won the victory in Jesus' name, dear God. So we're coming right now. We're expecting, we're expecting to hear from you, oh God. 
please touch us in a mighty way. Remove sin stains from our hearts. Remove all sense of apathy and complacency right now. Remove all sense of a lack of gratitude right now. And free us to praise you. Through the preaching and teaching of thy word. Arrest our hearts. Arrest our minds. Arrest our wills right now, dear God, that we would obey thy word and it would be like honey from the honeycomb, satisfying us right now. We love you and we thank you for the marvelous privilege we have. What a privilege it is to come before you. Jesus, precious and holy and righteous name, we do pray. And all of God's people declare, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Indeed, it's good to be with you. And I welcome those gathered and those scattered online to this worship service of the church gathered at Forest Baptist. And we have the privilege to come together as a local community, a local body of believers to partake in the Lord's Supper today. So if you are uh, present and you haven't picked up your elements, they have them out front. If you are home, I pray that you were able to get back to church to uh, pick those elements up as soon as we finish hearing the preached word, we will partake as a community, a fellowship of local believers in communion. And beloved, I'm uh, grateful for the technology that we do have and uh, those who are able to join us each and every week from Tuesday to Friday for our morning uh, soap Bible study. And, and, and we're washing in the word and we're calling it we have entitled it our SOAP Bible study because that's that's the acronym that we use to walk through the scriptures where the S stands for scripture, the O stands for observation, the A stands for application, and the P stands for prayer. So Monday, so uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday through Friday, we at 11 a.m., you could go on our website and get get the Zoom link for our Zoom Bible study. But then, by God's grace, we have begun a Wednesday evening Zoom Bible study. It's a different link, uh, but yet we gather on Zoom for the same type of Bible study together. So uh, that, that Wednesday evening one is, is specifically and primarily for those who, who may work during the day, during the day uh, but find it easier to gather uh, in the evening. So I commend those to you. Uh, but this morning, may we turn our, our hearts and attention Back to the Gospel of Matthew. If you would, turn with me to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew, the ninth chapter, we're going to pick up reading at verse 35. Uh, but as you, as you turn, uh, we are uh, back in our series, The King Has Come, A Journey with Jesus Through the Gospel of Matthew. And we've been journeying along with Jesus through 
Matthew, and it has been such a blessing, and so, so many things have come up, and things have been taking place. We wanted to address those, but the Lord has allowed us to, to get back to the study in, in Matthew, and uh, for those who, who, who may not have known about the study or just have forgot, forgotten, uh, I just want to remind you that uh, each and every gospel has a particular purpose. The gospel, these historic narratives of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each gospel has a particular perspective in which they are looking upon Jesus' ministry and describing the events in a specific way to communicate a specific topic. And here in the gospel of Matthew, when we look at what the author is doing to communicate just who Jesus is, his purpose is to show that Jesus of Nazareth is the long-awaited Messiah from the line of David. He is the Messianic King, the fulfillment of all of their promises, that, uh, all of the promises that God made in the Old Testament. This same Jesus, he is the new and greater Moses. There's no one like him. There's not a prophet like him, but uh, he is prophet, priest, and king. He has no one that is compared to him. He is the, that fulfillment. Moses himself declared that one will come in, in the book of Deuteronomy 18, 18, where he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded him. This is speaking of Jesus. But not only is he the new and greater Moses, but Jesus is God with us. He is Emmanuel. Uh, Colossians 1 and 15 reminds us that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. Not that he was a, uh, a creature that was born, but he is the preeminent. He is the head. He is the, the first about which we all come alongside in, in, in order to have fellowship with God the Father. He is God, Emmanuel. And thus far... We've covered through, uh, we've covered chapters 1 through 7 and, and chapters 1 through 13. Like I was saying, Matthew connects Jesus' arrival uh, to the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. In chapter 4, we see Jesus, he uh, goes into the wilderness and, and he has complete obedience to the Lord in his wilderness wanderings as he is the greater Israel. And he announces God's kingdom has come. Chapters 5 through 7, we saw how Jesus preaches his message of the kingdom. He's going through the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are who, who are persecuted. He, he's laying out the message of the kingdom. Just as Jesus ministers in word in our text this morning, we see Jesus ministering in his works. So Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 35, and if you are able, please stand with me in honor of reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I just want to speak to you this morning on the subject of kingdom authority. Kingdom authority. You know, one of the first prayers that we may have learned as a child uh, was the Lord's Prayer. Well, maybe not exactly one of the first. Maybe it's, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Maybe it's that prayer, or uh, maybe it's that prayer at the dinner table, table uh, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. But, it, but it's in the top five of the prayers that, we, that, that those who uh, may have grown up in the church have learned and back in, the, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus, he demonstrates for us how the disciples should pray in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you know it. I mean, we can say it together right now. Why don't you, well, let's, let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, and it's something about saying that prayer that no matter uh, what season, what circumstance you find yourself in, it, it is a source of encouragement. That Lord's Prayer has language. It has, it has vocabulary that is, that is uh, intentional and specific. Whenever Jesus is ministering, he's not just ministering haphazardly. He, he does everything for a reason. He's not just like, he's not like us. You know, sometimes you ask somebody, well, why did you do that? I don't know. No, Jesus knows every single thing, uh, uh, every single reason why he is saying what he's saying and doing what he's doing. And found within that prayer is this line that is so rich to me and I love it so much and it resonates within my heart and if you ever heard me pray I pray this sometimes he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and as Jesus is saying those words have you ever thought to yourself I wonder what he means by your kingdom come, your, bill, your will be done. What does Jesus mean when he says this? What, what does it mean for the kingdom to come? Beloved, when we think about Jesus' request, he is actually talking about an existence here that is uh, an exact replication. It is a duplication of the type of praise and worship and fear and honor and obedience that's taking place in heaven right now. He's talking about that place where that, 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 that land of no more, where there is perfect worship, there's a perfect posture, there is no more sin, there is no more doubt. He's talking about that environment coming here on earth. Can you imagine? Could you imagine for a moment? A land of perfection, sinless perfection. The, a land where there is always an edifying word. You ain't got to worry about nobody walking up to you and, 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 and saying something harmful and hurtful. You ain't got to worry about somebody walking up to you, you talking about you gained some weight. No, it'll be something like, I'm glad to see you. It, it'll be a land where there's always a word of encouragement. Can you imagine? 
This is what Jesus is praying. And not only is Jesus praying this, he's saying you should pray this. He's talking about that reality that is taking place in heaven right now coming to earth. Can't wait for the day when that is heaven on earth. When new Jerusalem comes down out of the sky. And everything is finished and everything is complete. Jesus is saying, don't just think about it, pray for it. He says, ask me for it because I'm bringing it and I'm allowing you to be part of this plan, this, this, this extraordinary plan. But beloved, even before the new Jerusalem comes down on earth, the very, that very prayer is answered in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is present, the kingdom has come. Because Jesus has shown up, the kingdom has come. Because whenever Jesus uh, shows up in a place, he brings that kingdom authority and presence with him. Understand Jesus' words. The kingdom come is a message. And that's why he spends uh, uh, two chapters walking through the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying that there's a way in which the kingdom manifests itself in the lives of kingdom people. And he, and he is preaching uh, to the people, declaring that the kingdom has come when you're able to be sought in life, when you're able to love your enemies, when you're able to, to forsake anger, when you're able to forsake wrath, when you're able to, to walk in the light of Christ. He is saying that that's the message of the kingdom. But did you know kingdom come is also a mission? Because as Jesus enter into, as he enters into this world in the incarnation, he brings with him the tangible manifestation of the kingdom. Matthew 3 and 2, he says what? Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. I'm, I'm up in her, so the kingdom's up in her. I've come. So the kingdom has come. He's saying because he is present, the very kingdom in heaven that he tells us to pray for is here. With the presence of Jesus, there is kingdom authority. Think about it for a moment. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come to take over. This is an invasion where, where the kingdom is taking back ground that Satan tries to steal. And tries to hold back. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven comes to deliver, disrupt, destroy, deconstruct, diminish, dethrone, and, de and decapitate sins, malevolent rule, and reign. Kingdom come is Jesus' applied authority. He says all authority has been given to him. It's authority incarnate. When Jesus shows up and as king, Jesus applies his kingdom authority to overthrow unrighteousness here on earth. This is the big, the big idea of the text, I believe, before us this morning. And, and it's simply this. Jesus has authority to bring forth the kingdom of heaven within the lives of those on earth. Jesus has authority to bring forth the kingdom of heaven within the lives of those on earth. The text before us this morning is the bookend of Matthew's account of Jesus' threefold ministry. 
Matthew 4 and 23 starts uh, the example and description of Jesus' ministry. It says, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. I'm not repeating what we find here in, in chapter 9, verse 35. I'm going back to 423. He's, he, he has bookend Jesus' ministry with these threefold ministries, and he's doing something, and he's saying something specific. Because in between these bookends, we've seen Jesus exercising kingdom authority as he preaches his message. What did the people say when Jesus finished preaching? We've never seen anyone. We've never heard anyone teach with such what? Authority. In the declaration of his word, he is exercising kingdom authority but not only does he exercise his kingdom authority in a message, he, he exercises his kingdom authority as he goes about the mission of his Father in heaven. So now, Jesus, he is exercising kingdom authority as he is on mission. Look, verse 35, he says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities. He's, he's moving as he is going. And villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus is tangibly manifesting the kingdom in his works of power and authority and might, but he's doing it for a reason too, because he says when he saw the crowds, thank you, Jesus, that you have compassion on us. He had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Beloved, I don't know about you, but there's many days I woke up and I feel harassed and helpless. When I cut on my news uh, and, and begin to watch the events of the day, I feel harassed and helpless. When my heart is filled with anxiety and, and it's skipping beats, it's because I'm, I'm harassed and helpless. But the, the truth of the text this morning is shouting to us that it's because you are harassed and helpless that Jesus is moving about our cities. And he's moving about our villages and he's moving about our churches and he's moving about our homes and he's moving about our cars. And he's, he's just moving around because he sees that we're harassed and helpless. Jesus has a mission to not only talk about his love, but to demonstrate his love. When we think back to Genesis, we, when sin entered God's creation through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, it, 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 it brought with it spiritual and, and, and physical and mental harm. Sin has brought about brokenness in this world. The mission of the kingdom demonstrated by Jesus is to bring about wholeness to what was lost. So whereas in sin we found brokenness, Jesus is showing up to bring about a wholeness, to restore those broken pieces that the, 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 the stuff that was fractured on the ground. I don't know. Have you ever been at home and, and just dropped a glass on the floor? 
And it, and it seemed like it just, it just shatters into a million pieces. And, and, and it's like months later, and you're cleaning up, and you found like, man, how did this piece of glass get so far up under here? And, and when sin enters into creation, it takes our lives and it drops it, and we break into a million pieces. But Jesus says, the mission of my kingdom is to bring everything back together. Uh, uh, although the nursery rhyme said, and they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, Jesus says, I ain't trying to just put you back together, but I'm going to give you a new body. I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to give you a new walk. I'm going to give you a new talk. And he's saying, that I'm going to restore that which was lost. Verses 35 and 36, this, this is the end of Matthew's account. Matthew is so sweet. The Gospels are so sweet. Watch what he's doing. In these verses, it's the end of Matthew's account of nine miracle stories throughout chapters 8 and 9. And those are stories of healings, exorcisms, and control over nature. And they're broken into three sections. There, there's three miracle stories and then a call by Jesus to follow me. There's three more miracle stories and another call by Jesus to follow me. And then he concludes with three more miracle stories. And that brings us to our conclusion. But then he launches into another dialogue where he, he talks about ascending out his, his, his disciples. So, so what Matthew is doing, coming off the Sermon on the Mount, where he shows Jesus declaring the, the, the kingdom message, he is saying, but Jesus doesn't just talk the talk. Jesus walks the walk. And he goes into these miracle stories to show us what the kingdom actually looks like when it comes and invades people's lives. As Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing, he's bringing with him kingdom authority into people's lives. Walk with me with this. Turn with me to uh, Matthew, the eighth chapter, and, and, and walk with me. Because the first thing that Jesus shows is that Jesus has kingdom authority over disease, over diseases. In, in, in the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 17, I'm not going to read it all. I, I pray that you read chapters 8 and 9 on your own. But I, I, we're going to walk through this. In, 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 in verses 1 through 17, uh, Matthew recounts three Miracle story, three, three healings that Jesus does. He, as Jesus comes down off the mountain, the first person he encounters is a leper. And, and the leper, he is ceremonially uh, unclean. He is one who is outcast, and he cries out to Jesus, and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It, that declaration is a declaration of faith. Lord, I know you can do it, but, but I'm just merely waiting to see if you choose to. Because I, I, I know you can. But, but do you want to? And Jesus, not only does Jesus declare that he is willing to make him whole, but Jesus, uh, he does, what the, he does the, the unthinkable. The very one that, one that is set uh, aside and marginalized in society because they are ceremonially, uh, ceremonially unclean, 
and, and which means that when, when, when that leper comes in contact with people, uh, they have to declare unclean, unclean, so other people can stay away because if someone touches that leper, they become unclean. You hear me? So if someone touches the leper, they become unclean. Did y'all catch that? If someone else touches the leper, they become unclean. But Jesus demonstrates his kingdom authority, and not only does he touch him and remains clean, but he removes the uncleanness from the leper. Could you imagine the, the look of shock and horror on the faces of those good Jews, those, those good religious folks, those Pharisees? You ain't supposed to touch him, Jesus, as Jesus is, is extending his hand to the very uh, a low life of society. As Jesus is extending his hand to touch the untouchable. And they are looking like, Jesus, don't touch him, because if you touch him, you will become defiled. But then he exercises kingdom authority and says, I'm going to touch him anyway. And the leopard becomes clean. Then Jesus has the nerve to say, now go show yourselves to the priest. Well, go show yourselves to the priest. This is very subtle. And, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. And, 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 and calling out Moses' name, basically he's saying, Moses could only tell you uh, how to be declared clean. But I'm actually able to make you clean. He's talking about the difference between trying to keep the law and keep a relationship with him. He's saying, well, when I touch you, uh, 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 that I actually make you clean. Moses couldn't do that. He runs into a paralyzed uh, a centurion who has a, a concern for his paralyzed servant. And in this exchange, Jesus says, uh, uh, show me where your servant is. I will come to, your, to your house and, and heal, heal him. What does the centurion say? Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come up under my roof. You just say the word. Because I know you got, a, uh, I know you got authority. Because just like, just, just like you on a, on a smaller version, when I, when I tell someone to come, they come. When I tell someone to go, they go. I know what it means to be up under authority. I, I know what it means to exercise authority. And when I look at you, I know you got all authority. So all you got to do is say, uh, sickness be gone, and it will be gone. All you have to say is, sickness be removed, and it will be removed. You ain't even got to come to my crib, Jesus. Just say the word. But notice it's subtle. Just as Jesus ministering to that, that, that marginalized Jew who was, uncere- who was uh, ceremonially unclean, Jesus is ministering now to a Gentile. A good Jew would never be caught going to a Gentile's house. Jesus is willing to disrupt all of our traditions, all of our man-made rules in order to bring deliverance. Beloved, I don't know who's been telling you you can't. I don't know who's been telling you Jesus won't. But Jesus is able to, to disrupt your, your way of life, to disrupt your traditions, to disrupt their traditions. Jesus is able to come and bring a healing in spite of what everybody else is expecting. Jesus comes and he, he, he comes to uh, Peter's house and he finds a fever-stricken woman. Peter's mother-in-law. And it looks simple, doesn't it? She has a fever. She, we don't know exactly what's going on, but it has rendered her unable to serve. And Jesus merely touches her, and immediately the fever is gone, and she returns to service 
she also would be someone marginalized as a woman in this society. She would have been looked down upon because she's not able to serve, to, to fulfill her duty and uh, uh, her, 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 her duty in, the, in that culture. But Jesus, he, res- he, he just comes and he, and he touches her. And she gets up and do what she does. She begins to serve him. And the text ends with the fact that everyone is, begins to bring out Jesus in order to uh, be, uh, for they will be healed. And this is in fulfillment of Isaiah. But Jesus' kingdom authority invades their lives because not only does Jesus bring physical healing, but he brings societal righteousness. Coming in contact with those marginalized within Jewish society. A ceremonially unclean Jew, a Gentile, and a woman. And what Jesus does is, is as, the, as, he, as he pours forth the kingdom into their lives through his authority, he brings about a justification. What do I mean? He brings about right standing in that society. Everyone that was looking down on them, but now Jesus lifts them up and gives them right standing. That's how the kingdom comes. When the kingdom comes into your life, no matter who you used to be, no matter who you used to run with, no matter what your reputation you used to have, you know how that you go back home to the black and black, I remember you used to. Uh, Jesus brings about a justification saying, no matter where I used to be and where I go, this is who I am right now in Christ. That's only done by kingdom authority. But secondly, we see that Jesus has kingdom authority over disaster. In verses 23 through 30, uh, 27, Jesus gets in, in, in a boat with his disciples and a storm comes. And they're like, Lord, save us, help us. They wake up Jesus. He says, oh, you, oh, 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 you of little faith. And he rebukes the waves, and he rebukes the sea. And then the text says, and there was a great calm. Just at, at, at the voice, hearing the voice of the master, all is calmed on the sea. See, and, and in the midst of Jesus calming the sea with his words, Oh, what we can learn from, from Jesus' demonstration right now. Oh, what, what waves and what circumstances could Jesus calm if we would just listen to his word? What tribulation would Jesus bring us through if we would just listen to his word? Through his word, he brings a great calm. But, but then he, uh, in that miracle, he pours forth his kingdom authority into their hearts, and they just, they just say, what kind of man is this that even the seas and, and the winds obey him? For the disease, Jesus brought justification. For those in the midst of a disaster, Jesus brings revelation. He opens their eyes to the fact that if Jesus is in the boat with you, <laughs> if Jesus is with you on the waters, then you don't have anything to worry because when Jesus is with you, God himself is in control of that boat. God himself is in control of that sea. Jesus not only has kingdom authority over disaster, Jesus has kingdom authority over the demonic. In verses 28 through 34, Jesus runs into two demon-possessed men. And I like how the text says, so fierce that no one can pass that way. 
You know when you was little. You know what blocks you couldn't walk down. You, 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 you couldn't cut through this block or you couldn't cut that through that street. You couldn't cut through that backyard. You had to go around a long way. Folks was going around a long way because they were so fierce. They were, they, they were so dangerous. But just as Jesus walks up, instead of instilling fear, they are filled with fear. And they're filled with fear because of what they know to be true of Jesus. It's, it's not our time yet. They understood that he was king of kings and lord of lords, so they shrunk in fear. And as they shrink back in fear, Jesus heals them and delivers them from this demon possession. But not only does Jesus just heal them, but uh, Jesus' kingdom authority invades their lives by the fact that he liberates them. This is a, this is a sign of liberation because the text says this was demonic possession. Demonic possession is when, when, when Satan's minions are living within a person, causing them to, 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 to bring about all kind of havoc and chaos. They are being, they are being used by, by Satan to commit sin. And what Jesus is saying, I'm going to deliver you from that yoke of bondage that's causing you to sin, and I'm going to cast out these demons so you can be in your right mind, and instead of delivering a word of fear, you can now deliver a, fear, a, a, a word of liberation. Jesus brings justification. He brings uh, 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 revelation. He brings liberation. But then, fourthly, Jesus has kingdom authority over sin. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, there's a paralytic brought to him. And Jesus simply says, take heart, my son, you are your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees start tripping, like, what? How, how can he forgive sin? Jesus, knowing what's in their heart, he says, it's easier for me to say to forgive their sin or tell them to get up. So just to show y'all something, I'm going to tell them, why don't you go ahead and get up? And he gets up and walks out. Jesus' kingdom authority invades their lives, offering forgiveness of sin. We don't know, we don't know why Jesus said uh, your sins are forgiven, but, but uh, if there's a, a particular sin, but we know that Jesus is able to forgive sin. So in his demonstration of forgiveness, in his exercise of kingdom authority, Jesus brings forth salvation. They have salvation because of Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus shows us that he has kingdom authority over death. This ruler comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter has just died. My daughter has just died. Uh, uh, but I know. But. But God. But, but, but I know that you can just touch her and, and, and she will live. Because I've seen your kingdom authority being exercised, Jesus. I, I know you can do this. And Jesus, he, he goes to, to the house, but on the way, he doesn't even have to lay a hand, but the woman with the issue of blood sees Jesus, and she recognizes his kingdom authority, and she says that the king with his authority, I, all I got to do is just touch the hem of his garment. I, I don't, I, I don't got to get all in his face. I, I ain't, I ain't got to clean myself up. I don't got to come to the front of the church. I ain't got to schedule an appointment. I ain't got to recite scriptures. I ain't got to pray long prayers. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. I just need to exercise enough faith to put a pinky on my Savior. I just need to exercise enough faith just to reach out and touch him. And sometimes, beloved,
of it. It can get so hard in life that you don't have a lot of energy and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do. But Jesus says, if you can just muster up enough strength to reach out and touch me, I deliver you. He heals her from her issue of blood, goes to the house where they're having a funeral, and he turns it into a party. Jesus' kingdom authority invades their lives. How? Because two lives are restored. One restored to life in the living, one restored to life in society. Jesus brings resurrection because he takes dead situations, hopeless situations, and he brings life. But in verses 27 through 31, Jesus has kingdom authority over disability. He encounters two blind men, and the blind men cry out to him, and they say, Son of David, have mercy. But this is one of the only places in Matthew's gospel we see someone actually say, Son of David. In in, in, in them saying, Son of David, you know what they're saying? King Jesus. That made me think about that song just now. Right on, King Jesus. But King Jesus, King Jesus, can you heal us? We know you have kingdom authority. Can you heal us? And Jesus, what Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe I'm your king? It's one thing to call me a king, but I'm not your king. And beloved, sometimes we grow up in church and and we're able to say that Jesus is a king, but is Jesus your king? Is he your savior? Is he your master? And, and, and they say, yes, we, you are king. And, and, and he gives them sight. And Jesus, his kingdom authority invades their lives by giving them freedom from darkness. He brings restoration. Then lastly, verses 32 through 34, Jesus has kingdom authority over the devil, over Satan. He comes to, text says, a demon-oppressed man who is mute. He can't speak. He can't, can't hear. He can't do anything to communicate. And Jesus speaks, and he heals him. The demon is cast out. And Jesus, says his kingdom authority invades their, uh, his life at that moment. Notice, notice this is a little bit different. This is not demonic possession. This is demonic oppression. So Satan is not using them to commit acts of sin, but Satan is on this man's head and he can't get up. He can't shout. He can't praise. Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus alleviates this man's muteness by by healing him and he frees us. Jesus and his kingdom authority, he exercises emancipation. This man is not free. Beloved, there, those, those are nine miracle stories with a total of ten people being healed. And every single time, Jesus is not just healing them just to make them feel good about themselves. He is healing them to demonstrate as king. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he is demonstrating that he alone can apply kingdom authority to these lives. But then lastly, he's demonstrating that his kingdom authority is applied to those on earth that we may follow Jesus. Where do I get this from? 
go, go back with me right quick to the 8th chapter, verses 18 through 22. It says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes has holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own. Now walk with me over to uh, uh, Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 9 through 13. He says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Beloved, what Matthew was declaring to us under the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is not just exercising kingdom authority to show off. He is actually exercising kingdom authority to liberate people's lives so they can follow Jesus. He's setting people free so they can follow him. This is what Matthew wants us to understand. Jesus has brought the kingdom not to be looked at, but to be experienced and to walk in. Beloved, what has Jesus liberated you from that allowed you to follow him? Because truth be told, if we're going to follow Jesus, we got to let some stuff go. Some things got to fall off our back. Lastly, Jesus exercises his kingdom authority that we may join him on mission. Verse 37, then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Declaring these words, Jesus is saying, these people need help. Pray that more people will come to help you. Because ultimately, our greatest need is the gospel. Our greatest need is deliverance from sin. Our greatest need is the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus is is, is saying that as I liberate people through my kingdom authority, part part of following me means going out into the harvest. And just as I exercise kingdom authority to liberate them that they may follow me, you need to exercise your kingdom authority that people would be liberated and able to follow me. Beloved, Jesus is laying out for us some questions, and he's challenging us. And one question that come to mind this morning is, do you see Jesus' kingdom of authority at work in your own life? Does power from heaven work in your own life, or are you succumbing to sin left and right? Exercise the kingdom authority that God has given you through Christ Jesus. Exercise your authority through prayer. Exercise your authority through reading God's word, through believing him and trusting him. But secondly, what sin is keeping you from following Jesus? What area of your own life do you need liberation in order to be faithful as you follow Jesus? Call upon him today to exercise kingdom authority on your life. But then lastly, we we need it. I need and you need to be a laborer in the harvest. He didn't just save you to sit. He saved you to work. 
And that work is to go ye therefore and make disciples. Beloved, in exercising kingdom authority, Jesus, he exhibits extraordinary compassion. And this is the same compassion which caused Jesus to leave his seat in glory. Scripture says, but he emptied himself and he made himself no reputation and he came. That's because he loved us so much. This is the same compassion which causes Jesus to identify with us on the cross. As we prepare to take communion, Jesus, he, he identifies with us when he says, and this is my body which is broken for you. Just as we are broken every day, he identifies, he says, my body is broken for you. Sin can never be cured by religion. Church. Sin can't be done away with because you go to church. Sin is done away with when Jesus brings forth kingdom authority in your life for deliverance. The authority secured in Jesus' resurrection frees us to obey Jesus' command to follow me. We are either drawn or disturbed by Jesus' authority. We either want to come closer to Jesus or we will want to run away from Jesus. Beloved, the next time you utter the Lord's Prayer, may you be reminded of the kingdom authority that Jesus has brought. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus has authority to bring forth the kingdom of heaven within the lives of those on earth. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word, for your power, for your might, for your love, and for your compassion. Thank you that as king, you have all authority in your hand, and you exercise this kingdom authority in our lives through repentance and faith. So Father, I ask that you would liberate one today, liberate them from the bondage of sin, Liberate us from the bondage of pride. Liberate us from the bondage of independence that we may trust and obey you and you alone. Father, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray.